ready for this word. Amen. I just need two other people to say I'm ready for the word as well. The Bible is so good. I love the Bible. I do. I love the word of God. We're going to do something different today. I'm going to have you stand to your feet with your Bible in hand. I want to do something a little bit different. I want to bother your comfort if I can. Praise God. And have you stand as we read the word of God. We're going to look at Psalms 33, the book of Psalms, chapter 33. And we're going to read all 22 verses. I'm only messing. We're not going to do all 22 verses. What I want you to do this week, though, is to look at the Psalms and read it. This week, seek the face of the Lord about this particular Psalms. It is powerful. It is what the Lord gave me as I wrestled, uh, trying to sleep, um, dealing with, uh, you know, anxiety and just burden for the things of God and for God's people and things of that nature. And I just want to thank every one of you who pray for Megan and myself and this ministry. Sincerely, thank you so much. And thank you again for that wonderful, wonderful gift. You know my heart so well. I cannot wait to head over there and enjoy those two days just to relax. And so um, I want you to look at the Psalms and I, and I want you to read it if, if you so desire. And if I could interrupt your family devotion or if you have a family routine, I want to pastorally interrupt it and tell you to take the Psalms and read it with your children. Read it as a family if, 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 if you're not by yourself. Uh, turn off all the gadgets, turn off all social media, every distraction, read the Psalms, because I believe it is absolutely vital, because the title of this message is Vote of Confidence Finale. And this Psalms gives you God's perspective about a vote of confidence. And so we'll look at that. What we're going to read is verse 8 to 11, and then we're going to read verses 18 to 22. And I'm reading from the English standard version of the Bible, so yours might be a little bit different, uh, but here we go. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord, verse 8, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people's. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Verse 18 to verse 22. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope in his steadfast love. That he may deliver their soul from death. And keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Verse 22. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Thank you, Father, for the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may may be seated. You may be seated. Again, if you are not aware, we're in an election cycle. In case you haven't driven around your neighborhood and seen all the signs that are there. I want to also remind you as well not to forget the down ballots as well. That there are other races going on as well that we need to make sure that we are in 
involved in. And so today I want to I want to finish this message, not because I have nothing else to say about confidence, but I want to leave us in this song to really see the vote of confidence finale. When I was preparing this message, I kept going one direction. God kept bringing me back. And I would go a different directions because different direction, because here's the deal. As a pastor, you bring joy to my heart. And there are times where I am burdened just saying, God, help your people. And so as a pastor with a pastoral's heart, there are times I may say, let's preach this message because I sense this. and Let's preach this message because I sense this. But God reminded me and he says, any message from him always talks about Jesus. He says, any message you preach must direct people to Jesus. You can give them great points. You can do all sorts of things that dazzles people. You can have the most excellent grammar. You can be the most eloquent and skilled person. But if they leave and don't know Jesus, you haven't given them a vote of confidence finale. And so as we can see, it is vital that we understand that in this message, you kept bring it back to Jesus. And so there's five things that I got from this particular psalm that I was able to extract from it. Perhaps you in your time this week when you read the psalms that you will also extract things that I have missed. These are just the five things that I have. And I think it's important for us to put it in perspective, these five things as we see. And I made mention to you that we are in a political season. We are in an election cycle. It happens once every four years where we have our general election. So it's okay that, that we speak on this because we want people to know it's, it's again, not just who you vote for, but how you vote based on the word of God. And so it is, it is vital that we understand that, that therefore both political parties are fighting for your allegiance, fighting for your attention, fighting for your votes. And so therefore they have made it available on their platform, their party, where they stand. It, it's a simple search online to see what they each stand for. And some people um, who haven't voted yet, and for those who have exercised your constitutional right and you voted early, praise God, amen, I want you to do that. I also want you not to be discouraged with all the sound bites and social media feed for those who haven't voted yet. Do not allow anything or anyone to cause you not to vote, even if it comes from a believer. Make sure you vote. You may be struggling, but vote. Trust me, Jesus will guide you. If he could save your soul, surely he could direct you to the nearest poll station. Come on. And vote. But some people have asked, it says, Pastor Roll, through the midst of all this confusion, can you provide something? I said, there is the voters, God. It's, it's simply on the, on the website. So we made it available for those who are still struggling with knowing who to vote and what direction to go. We're praying for you. We also want to provide for you. We want to ensure that you have the tools necessary. So with your Bible and with all the resources that you have come up with, that you have looked with, remember this. As a believer, you don't vote as an unbeliever. You vote differently. That as a believer, you vote as a dual citizen of heaven. 
that your vote not only affects earth, but it affects heaven as well. Come on, somebody. Someone say praise God for that. There's no reason being a believer don't be different from the world. It makes no sense going through all the things that you're resisting. Come on, that the world just embraces makes no sense whatsoever. To resist temptation just to be like everybody else. So remember, you vote as a dual citizen. You also vote. According to the law of Christ's informed conscience, as God speaks to you and as you make that decision, rest in that knowledge. Come on. Because we're going to get to how important it is that God has a massive plan for these United States. That it's bigger than anybody can imagine. And so in Psalms 33, he wants you, as you are directing your vote, he also wants you to look up and see the greatness of what God is doing. I feel like preaching this morning. You see, at our time of prayer, I said, God, I pray revival breaks out at the polling station. I pray that as people go to cast their vote, God will speak to them and says, that person needs someone to lay their hands from a distance maybe, but lay your hands on them and say, God, restore their life because it's bigger in just these four years. As vital as it is to stay focused and, and understand the destiny of our nation, Psalms 33 messes with your conscience. It, it messes with your conviction. It messes with your compassion. It makes you look to the character of God. And so he begins with these five points. He first begins and says, if you're going to have a vote of confidence, you need to first understand how shall we live? How shall we live? That's the first point. Is if you're going to be able to comprehend and be able to embrace the vote of confidence finale. The question that remains of what God is asking because he's so much bigger than anybody else. He's saying, how shall we live? He begins and he says, let me answer it for you. And he says, how you shall live is this. You shall live as people on the earth with the fear of the Lord. He first begins it by the fear of the Lord. And then he says, the next thing is to stand in awe of him. That's Psalms 33 verse 8. So what he's saying is, is how shall we live? It's real simple. Life is complicated, but God is not. He says it is simple. It is the fear of the Lord. And you stand in awe of him. And when you look at this particular psalm, he gives us reason for that. Because the main point of the psalms is this. Is that we may plan, but God plans, holds, sway. In other words, we make our plans for the day. But if we ever have a vote of confidence in God, in the finality of who he is, he will direct us into areas we never thought about going. He will direct us to make decisions we never thought about making. That brings about his plan for our lives. He says we may amass resources. He's talking to the wealthy now. And he says, we may have tremendous strength, but the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. He decides what plans and resources succeed. I'm quoting now. God is the central issue in the affairs of humanity and the foundation for a strong society. That's what he's saying. If you want a home, fear God and stand in awe of him. You want a successful business? Fear God and stand in awe of him. If you want anything to prosper and be in alignment with God, he says, fear him. And we're going to break down what that fear means. 
I was asked a question. I was on uh, Linda's radio program. She asked me a question. And I said, the answer is that we've lost the fear of the Lord. And there's not, nothing else I can say. We've lost the fear of the Lord. And so once we have the fear of the Lord, we will then know how we shall live. Now, this word stand in awe doesn't just necessarily mean to get up. It means to be intentional. That when you fear God, he gives you the wisdom. Now, remember, write this down. Wisdom is the application that you understand and you have knowledge. That's what wisdom is. So if you speak with just facts, just with knowledge, you may allow your emotions, which sometimes can play tricks on you. Come on. How many can identify that with your emotions playing tricks on you? It does it to me all the time. I got to rest and say, God, I got to get some sleep because I'm emotional right now. I'm no good to make on the children when I'm emotional. It doesn't mean I don't express emotions at this particular point. Now, I'm strictly going off of knowledge. And my knowledge could be wrong based on perception. I must move into understanding. And when I get to understand, I move into this place now of wisdom. And when I get to wisdom, there is manifested the fear of the Lord. And so I make wise decisions. How shall we live? The fear of the Lord and stand in awe of him. The second thing I get from this particular Psalms is this. Land that I love. Land that I love. Read with me in Psalms 33 verse 9. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Come on. That's creation, but that's also land. For who spoke? God spoke. And it came to what? To be. Oh, we got to sink our teeth into that. God spoke. And because of the integrity of his word, it became what God said it's going to be. So when you are having your devotion and when you're reading God's word, please understand this is the word of God. And when God speaks, it must come to be. That is so good. That is absolutely amazing. He commanded and it stood firm. And why is this important as we look at as a nation? Because as we're seeing in this text, as we go further, he's talking about the nations of the world. And he says this, he says, the birth of a nation is not only about its founder, which is history. It's also about its foundation, its heritage. Oh, that's so good right there. And so what happens is because of these two things has birthed people in America. There's one who love American soil. Listen, as much as we have our challenges, there are people doing whatever it takes to get their feet on American soil. Come on, somebody. That are trying to get here to get a part of the American dream, quote and unquote. The American idea. And so this is a land that we see that as much as we look at the founders, as much as we look and there are some histories that we have to wrestle with, we must also not forsake the heritage of this nation. For if we separate the two, we leave a gap for the enemy to run to and fro and create chaos and confusion. Come on. And takes a nation that God has established for his purpose to now be abused. Come on, somebody. And corrupted. And we lose the very essence of why we exist. How shall we live depends on the land that I love. And so we have people who will do that. But we also have a people. Who are saying it's our Christian heritage to defend her. We got people saying it's my constitutional right to defend her. And God is saying, yeah, 
as a dual citizen, you understand both. There really should be no confusion when you have the fear of the Lord. And so when we take a look at this, we realize because God is saying this, he's the landlord. Come on, come on. He is the landlord. And that word Lord is what caused problems when I get down to it of why you see the conflict and the rhetoric. We see all that's going on. It's the devil trying to take resident back into a place where he was evicted from. Good God Almighty. Because you may not love this land, but the devil says wherever there is land ownership, there is dominion. Good God Almighty. So in the Psalms, God is telling them, don't you give up territory. Don't you give up land, land that I love. Don't you give up territory to that devil. I've established a kingdom. And if we understand this, you will know how to live. But then when you say land that I love, you will recognize it's from a place of the fear of the Lord. And so we read God's perspective on this. First takeaway is this. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 12. Deuteronomy 11, verse 12. This is what it says. I love this because God settles the issue. And he says, why you're this? God wants to know he's the landlord of the earth and every inhabitant of it. Come on. Oh, come on. Oh, man, I'm about to say something. Blow your mind. You think God is intimidated by the worship of false gods? He knows they don't exist. You just don't know that yet. <laughs> So why would the one who knows they don't exist be intimidated by something that doesn't exist? And so he begins in Deuteronomy 11, a nation that just came out of bondage, a nation that was birthed, comes out. And so he now says, before you go any further, this is Deuteronomy, the second law. He says, the first time you miss taking possession, come on, of the land. They went into the land. It was a land that was loved because it was flowing with milk and honey. My preach to anybody right now. They came back with the evidence, but they didn't know how to live. Why? Because there were giants in the land. So they're saying, how shall we live when there's giants in the land? And God wants to know he is the landlord. He knew there were giants there, but he still sent them in there. Good God Almighty, I'm preaching this thing real good. But, but take off my Mr. Robinson sweater. Come on, somebody. Huh? Come on, do like the old preacher's day. You know what I'm saying? Where, where's the armor bearer to pick it up? Remember the armor bearers? You take it off and you throw it and you'll get it. Praise God. You rarely hear this, but I'm hot. Praise God, somebody. In terms of heat. Amen. Right, baby? You know what I'm saying? In terms of natural heat. Praise God. She knows I'm hot. The other place. I got in trouble Wednesday for making a comment. She corrected me. I'm like, sorry, babe. My bad. (laughs) My bad. I got in the flesh. So Deuteronomy 11 verse 12. He says, a land that the Lord your God cares for. Oh, God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We got to clap your hands for Jesus right there. A land that God cares for. So while we are arguing, while we are debating, God says, you don't love this nation like I love it. Uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. Come on. And so he says, a land that the Lord your God cares for. Of course, you talk about the promised land, but it applies to us. And watch what he says. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it. Ooh, good God Almighty. My goodness, that is so good. And the reason why his eyes is upon it practically now is because the church exists. 
We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Come on. And so what he's saying is this, while he's in heaven, good God Almighty, orchestrating things for earth, he wants his church to be the ambassadors, come on, come on, the embassy, come on, where people enter into a kingdom that exists up in heaven, but when they come to the church, they enter into another dominion, and they take the instructions from another kingdom, and they make it legal in this kingdom. And so he says, yeah, I was careful, and I love this because we need this for 2020. I said, God, when he showed me this, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for making sense of this year. He says he's always upon it. Ready? From the beginning of the year. Come on. To the end of the year. So he's not finished yet. Come on, somebody. I know we stepped into COVID. And I know we stepped into protests. And I know we're facing presidential election. But God is saying, I'm going to finish this year strong. I wish I had one person who knows. Come on. Come on, come on. I wish I had one person. You may have lost your job. Come on, during COVID. But God is saying that from the beginning of the year, when everybody was shouting, vision, vision. And all of a sudden, the tsunami came. Everybody kept quiet about vision and talked about a new reality. What? So did you hear from God in 2020, in January? Come on, let's just be real. Let's just be honest. The, the, the Lord showed us me, he says, he says, the Lord said this, before I can heal, you got to be honest. I said, what you saying, Jesus? He says, you got to be honest. And so we said all these things about the year. We made all these plans, but we read in the scripture, he frustrates the plans of man. But he knows his foundation. And so he says that from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, this is so good. And how did God seal this? How did God give us a promise that the land that I love, John 3, 16, come on. That athletes put it on whatever mascara, whatever thing they have underneath their eyes, right? And it's in the stands of, of the game, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. For God did not sin. So we know what God did and what God did not He's clear in his word. Come on. His son, the world to condemn the world, but in order the world may be saved through him. And so what we have to see is that God has established something. Come on. He established a truth that you and I have to wrestle with. Here is why. We have to wrestle with it till it becomes part of our DNA. We, we got to wrestle with God's providence. We got to wrestle with God's sovereignty. And so we say, when you understand Jesus, you understand God. That is so good. And so in order then for this, here's point number three. So first, how shall we live? Number two was land that I love. I've established that through the Psalms. Well, we have established that. And here's the next one now. I love this one. He says, watch this. The winner walked away wounded. Ooh, just write it down and think about it. Praise God. I'm going to break it down for you. Because when he showed me this, I was like, what you talking about, Jesus? The winner walked away wounded. At first, when I was looking at this, I was looking at just all the things that are happening with this election cycle, things that are going on. And, and, and so I've told people, I said, listen, you may get in a fight and a dog and a skunk. And you guys who know animals can maybe correct this, right? But this is my thing, and I'm sticking with it. It's worked for 30 years. I'm sticking with it. You know what I mean? Tell me if I'm wrong so I can change it. But for right now, I'm sticking with it. And I said, you can get a fight, and, and, and a dog and a skunk, and the dog may win the fight, 
but they walk away smelling like a skunk. And there's certain fights that you are picking that God's saying you're walking away, but you're smelling like the fragrance. Come on. Of what you are fighting with. And he says, no, worship is a fragrance aroma to God. That was, that was not even warfare. That was wasted energy. Because I can understand warfare. And I can understand worship. But waste of energy, you don't know who you are. For you to pick a fight with somebody, come on, that has no bearing on your life is a waste of energy. You've got to recognize that the winner walked away wounded. wounded. And so here he says, now watch it, this is so cool, because we look at Jesus. And so the enemy says, we wounded him, come on. We nailed him to the cross for God so loved the world. Okay, I'm seeing the plan unravel. I'm seeing the plan unfold. And so what happened was when they nailed him to the cross, hell was rejoicing. They're like, oh, yes, our plan worked. Satan, you did it, buddy. You won. And he's like, he's wounded. Come on, somebody. But verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. So what he did was he said this, just because the religious sect and the political sect came together and they plotted, they didn't know they were actually doing the very thing that God was establishing to do. Why? Because God says, I love this land. I watch over it. I care for it. And if I love it, I have to redeem it. Come on. I've committed because the integrity of my word to redeem it. And so therefore, the cross frustrates the plans of the Greeks and frustrates the plans of the Jews and the Bible says that when you preach the cross Christ wounded oh good God almighty they're saying you're crazy to the Jew, to the to the Greeks and to the Gentile it's a stumbling block and what happens is when we don't keep our eyes on Jesus what happens around us will either be a stumbling block or foolishness and then we engage in warfare that's a waste of our time and so Paul says I don't know if I came to baptize. One thing I do know, I came to proclaim the name of Jesus. I will not be distracted. Someone said, I will not be distracted. No, 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 no. I will not be distracted. No, I can't. Because it says this, and I love this now. So, so in Luke 23, verse 12, Luke 23, verse 12, it says, And Herod and Pilate became friends. Look at God. Come on. They hate each other. Come on. Until God got in the picture. You got friends who loved you when you were running wild. Come on. But the moment, come on, you leave that lifestyle. Come on. Enemies that didn't like each other start becoming friends to take you down. Oh, you know that's true. Amen. And so here it comes, says they became friends with each other that very day. For before they had been at enmity with each other. Miserable people love to find things in common. (laughs) They really do. They do. And so what happens is because they're frustrated. They're frustrated because the plan that they are doing, they're, 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 they are not in alignment with God's will. And yet God is still using them to accomplish his will. God is so good. And so now in the book of Acts, the church is birth. And they're before them in Acts 4, 24 and 28. It says this. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, watch this now. They go back to Psalms 33. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth 
and the sea and everything in them. So they're being persecuted because they're declaring that the winner walked away wounded. And so now they're being persecuted and they go right back to God as creator. And they said, who through the mouth of our father, David, come on, founder, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Devil, you're wasting your time. Come on. Oh, that's so good. He's wasting his time so that you can waste your time. Because understand this, you don't fight for victory. You fight from a place of victory. And so when you recognize that, you're able then to look at this. Because here's what happened. He says, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Watch this now. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. The church recognized what God did. Come on. He told them, here's what you plotted to do, but here's what God's doing. And he breaks it down for them. And he says now, to do whatever your hand and your plan as predestined to take place. And so what do I mean by the winner walked away wounded? You see, from a, from a physical perspective, we may be challenged by that. But from our redemption, here's what it says, Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Ooh, good God Almighty. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds, we are healed. His wounds heals doubt. Come on. His wounds heal discouragement. His wounds brings us together again because Thomas was saying, until I see the wounds in his hands, I won't know who the winner is. Oh, come on, somebody. Ooh, that is so good. That's worth sharing on Facebook. Come on, somebody. Until I see the wounds, I don't know who the winner is. And so he comes in now and says, look, Thomas, look at my hands. Look at my hands. And I was wounded. And I'm the winner. And so if we're going to get to understand the winner walked away wounded, we've got to show people Jesus and the reality but that is wounds where you're healed. You got to be honest to be healed. And so God's plan, God's takeaway is this, is that by his stripes, we are healed. Because we need to go to the next point now. And we have a difference of opinion. We have a difference of opinion. I see this in Psalms 33 verse 11. So we walk through how shall we live. We walk through land that I love. And we see how shall we live in the fear of God. And we also to stand in awe of him. We also look at land that I love. And we see that God cares for this land. His eyes are over this land. We can see and we know that he solidified it. Vote of confidence finale. Because he sent his son Jesus Christ who died. And then we recognize now that the winner walked away wounded. We recognize that now. And so we get to this place now. What we have to deal with, we have a difference of opinion. 
And this is how you live out the reality of your redemption with other people. Write this down. We have to know how to live out the reality of our redemption in relationships. I'll say it again. We have to live out the reality, we live on earth, of our redemption by his stripes we're healed. We have to learn how to live out the reality of the redemption, come on, in our relationship with other people. I'll say it again. We have to live out the reality because here's the deal. If you go to people wounded because you wasted your time, you're then going to see that your difference of opinion is divisive as opposed to being different. And so what he's saying is this, is that you want to make sure that you're not indifferent to God. Come on, somebody. Being redeemed. So in other words, I celebrate your redemption because God did a work in your life. Oh, my goodness. That God is working in your life. That's why you want to be in relationship. It's being married. I see God working in Magon's life. Come on. And so for 27 years, it's to celebrate that work of God in her life. That's what gives God glory. Great, I'm a good husband, but I can't compare to God who's doing a work in her life. Come on, somebody. So when we have differences of opinion, it means somebody is out of alignment if it becomes divisive. Ooh, good God Almighty. And someone's got to go back to their closet. Come on. And say, how shall we live, God? Me and her. Because <laughs> it's land I love. She came from the earth. Come on. And the winner was wounded. So we don't have to come from a place of victim, but a place of vulnerability. And so when you come to recognize the difference of opinion, you come in because you recognize the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generation. So here's the deal. He says we have a difference of opinion of how we approach things. But what we come in agreement with is how to deal with evil. We come now in alignment to how you tell us, God, how to deal with evil. Because understand, prior to the church being birthed, they were under the Roman rule and they did not have a Lord to declare. They were just saying he's coming. They were saying he's coming. The nation of Israel was waiting for David to come and to rid them of the Roman oppression. That's what they were waiting for. And so Jesus comes now as this wounded warrior and they're like, what's the deal here, Jesus? We have a difference of opinion, Jesus. <laughs> How do we engage in relationship if we're not in charge? He says, let me show you how to do it. And so what happens, he says, redeem people. Here is how you're going to handle when you declare my allegiance to Jesus is Lord. The reason why they were being persecuted was because of their allegiance. Come on. That's what it was. It wasn't difference of opinion. It was their allegiance because when you now said Lord, Caesar was saying, who is saying their Lord? The Maccabees tried and, and, and the Zealots tried to bring in this kingdom by force and the Romans squashed them. And now they're seeing this uprise with these radical fishermen, these radical people. Come on, these outcasts that nobody wanted to. Now they got boldness. Come on, now they're saying stuff that are saying, I pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And they're saying, if we don't stop this, they're going to overtake what's going on. And so what happens is this. They had a conflict. And so the question becomes, how do we deal with Rome now that we're redeemed? Oh, good God Almighty. I'm teaching this thing really good. Thank you, Holy Ghost. 
How do I deal with a state that one time was okay with limiting my expansion, but now I'm bringing a kingdom that threatens their rulership? So God, how do I live in the land I love? Declaring the winner who was wounded. Oh, good God Almighty. And that's exactly where we are as a nation in this election cycle. How do we deal with the state? And so both Paul and Peter answered it because they never had to deal with it before. Didn't have to deal with this before. Didn't have to deal with the relationship of the Jewish people who are no longer, uh, excuse me, the people who are safe, who wasn't bringing a goat or a bull. They were like, what's wrong with you? And they were saying the new reality. Come on. The new reality existed with Jesus, not some slogan, not some language. The new reality is Jesus Christ is Lord. He was crucified. He was buried. But on the third day, he resurrected and he is Lord of Lords and he is King of kings and how do we deal with the state as the church it's in that context Romans 13 was written because Paul on the house arrest knew that letters could have been read by the authorities and he wanted to make sure they realized he wasn't there to create a revolt he was there to bring about an expansion of the kingdom of God and so Paul would have written his letters in prison knowing they could have read it and so he's writing to the church to say this is how you don't compromise this is how you are compassionate but he also reminded them don't you ever bow come on because you are a citizen of another kingdom and he wants them to know this is how you live without compromising the one who lives in you so he breaks it down and he tells them and so now what we have is we have a nation that was birthed with an american idea america is an idea come on that found itself on a land And so we look at this and what we have to ask ourselves now is how do we now relate to the state as the church? And what has happened is because we decided to lean one way or the other way, the enemy stepped in and brought culture that corrupted the church. And so now people are saying, not even believers, but they're asking, how do I comply with some of the stuff the state is saying. And they come to the church and say, how are you guys doing? And they're like, I don't know how I'm living. <laughs> well, if you don't know how you're living, then I'll just tell you how I'm living. And guess what? The person who was living corruption brought it to the church. And so what we did was to sugarcoat the gospel because we didn't want nobody to be offended by the state of their condition. <laughs> And so now they came in, and when we preach the gospel of freedom and redemption, they're saying, what in the world is going on? They don't see consistency until they call the church hypocrites. Not because of Jesus, can't touch him, but how we're living, declaring Jesus. And that's what we're facing right now. We've got a winner who was wounded, but we have a different. Of opinion. So Paul writes and says, let me explain how it works. Before Romans 13, he got to Romans 12. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's we know the will of God. And then he goes to Romans 13. 
and explains what God. And he says, guess what? Because God frustrates the plan, God says, I've established state. I've established state for this reason. He says this. I established the state so that they, ready for this, will punish evil just like how you would get rid of evil. You know how to get rid of evil by rebuking that devil. And how they get rid of evil is by enacting laws of which you as the church, come on, declare and get out of this nation, Satan. Come on, somebody. So now they are free to make rules and laws that line up with the church. And so because there's a gap, the enemy works in the gap. And he whispers, you're wounded. And you forget about the winner who was wounded. So now you are emotional. And now we fight. And the enemy said, I got him now. Because they have no idea who they are. They have no idea how they're living. They don't know who they are. And so, fighting. And so he says, listen, Peter goes in more detail. And Peter says, well, how do I deal with the people in charge then? So I understand that, that the state, that their job is to punish evil and to praise good. That's what it's supposed to do. And so a healthy society in every nation, because you can't preach an American gospel in Africa. You preach the gospel in every nation. Right? And so you should be able to take the gospel of the kingdom and bring it to another nation and say the very same thing because we have nations who aren't free like we are. Come on. They're on a totalitarian system. And so we got to be able to say, God, come on, set your people free all over this nation and let the light of this nation, America, shine bright to all the other nations. And so we got people from other countries looking at us because we are considered, quote unquote, the free world. And so what you're battling is the, 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 the struggle between the person in charge and the policies. And so, and so everything and, and, and everything that's happened is you're battling between those two things. And, and which side do I go to, Lord? And, and is it the policies or is it the person? Is it the person? Is it the policies? And so you're struggling between these two and you have a difference of opinions. And so all of a sudden now, when the wound comes in now, the fist comes up. Come on. And now we're going to fight. And the enemy says, keep them fighting. Keep them fighting. Demons, keep them fighting. Keep them fighting. Go ahead because... They'll waste their time. But the true church, good God Almighty. Oh, I got to hurry. The true church. We say, God, by your grace. Come on, somebody. I'm going to take what I know. Come on. And I'm going to take what I believe. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to open up my mouth and I'm going to declare I am a servant of God. And I know how to vote, even though I struggle with who to vote for. I know how to vote. And as long as I know how to vote, good God Almighty, I'm going to trust you, sovereign God, that you're going to work it out. I'm not going to just declare Jesus Lord and not live it. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Because the world is looking for something consistent. And I hate to break this news to you, but he ain't doing it again. He ain't dying again. <laughs> he said, I love you all, but I ain't doing that again. <laughs> I miss my daddy. Come on, I ain't going to the cross again. <laughs> uh, I won't be like Moses when he says, speak to her and slap her. Come on, no, no, no. 
you won't crucify the Lord a second time. And so let me leave you with this, because this is good. If you're trying to pull from pastor, or pastor, what do we do? Read your Bible, get your voter's guide, seek God, go in your closet and pray. And I promise you this, I promise you this, that with that mindset, God will bring you to people with difference of opinion, and you will sit down in the reality of being redeemed and walking through this relationship because you rather protect the unity of the church than any political party. Because unless they're saved, they ain't coming with us. Come on, I'm the first load. If they don't know Jesus Christ, they ain't coming with me, so I ain't wasting my time. I'll teach the gospel to them, but we're going to be hanging out all together, and there's no way we're going to be able to do life together. You can do my hair, but we can't, well, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I got to hurry because I want to I sing this song and sing this song. So how do we vote? First and foremost is this. Because of what Jesus, because the winner walked away wounded, here's how you vote. You must vote as a person who's free of all agendas. You must walk away free. You can't be bought. You must walk away free. So I pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. And nothing you say and tell me will take me out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. You didn't die for me. Until you die for me and bury in the grave and come back up again, your grace ain't good enough. Your grace over the table is great for the food, but your grace ain't good enough for my soul. You feel me? So I'm free. I'm free. I'm a child of God. And number two, here's what we do. Because we're free, we honor everyone. And this is Peter. In First Peter, he's saying he's breaking it. Because remember, Peter is saying now, here's how you relate to the state and the church. He's saying, listen. And here's what Peter was saying. Peter was saying, this is what Peter saying. He says, live free. But he says, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. He's saying, Peter. Peter was saying, listen. You don't want to engage in the state affair. That was their temptation. That they wanted to walk away from it. He says, I won't, I won't even bother him. Peter's like, no, get engaged, vote. It's part of the process. He said, no, don't do that. I know your sister's in heaven. And I know when you die, you're going to see me. Because Peter experienced Jesus tangibly. And he wanted to quit. And he says, no, 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 Peter. You're free, but don't use your freedom to engage in evil. So when people say, don't judge me, I'm saying, I'm not judging. I'm telling you, walk in freedom. Don't use your freedom. And here's the deal. Here's the deal with America. Here's our biggest challenge. It's called the burden of freedom. Mm -hmm. Because what the Constitution did was deliver you from an oppressed nation. It didn't set you free not to oppress other people. Oh, come on. And so we need something that's going to deliver us so nobody is oppressed when they come to Christ because they're free. And so what he was saying is, is you're free. And he was saying, he says, honor everyone. Honor everyone. Everyone, honor everyone. If you want to be a witness of the gospel, honor everyone. Because honor is the very thing that pulls people together. Ready for this? To earn their trust so they can speak to you. It's called honor. When you honor somebody, they now can trust that what you're saying to them is from a place of wisdom that they are going to say, I give you permission to speak into my life. It's called honor. And then he says, look at the difference. He says, and love other believers. He says, honor everybody, save or unsafe, honor them. But when it comes to your family, love them. Ooh, good God Almighty. 
When it comes to the gather, love them. We do life together. Come on, somebody. And show the world what it's like to do life together. And then he ends it by saying this. Going back to Psalms 33, he says it this way. He says, fear God. Peter reminds them to fear God. And this is where we are as a nation and as a church. We have lost the fear of God. And here's what it is. We have domesticated the Old Testament God. For Jesus is my best friend, BFF, New Testament Savior. In the Old Testament, they actually stood afraid of God. It wasn't like, oh, no, it doesn't mean terrified. No, they were terrified. In Exodus 20, verse 18 and 19, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us lest we die. I don't know where we got it in our 21st century by domesticating God. No, he's not like that. They were terrified of him. He said, Moses, you speak. Because I just saw the mountain shake, good God Almighty. And I saw smoke come. If we ever had a true encounter of God, you would be flat on your face, regardless of COVID, regardless of skin color, regardless of who you put as president. You'd be on your face saying, God, I'm afraid of you. BFF Jesus? What kind of nonsense is that? You don't discipline your children like that. Oh, just, just okay. No, you tell them. You better be afraid. When I grew up, I'm like, don't tell my dad. I'm so sorry. Don't tell him. Because he won't accept the punishment you give me for evil. Come on. He'll add on his touch. We call it the rod of righteousness now. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't do that anymore. You, you, we're sparing the rod and we are spoiled kids. Let me move on before I let me move on. And so here it comes now. And so Moses says, no, 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 no. Don't domesticate God. Here is why in verse number 20, he says, don't fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you. That you may not sin. We can debate all we want to about political positions and what's going on. You're a free moral being. You can do that. But I don't want to miss what God is doing. And God is saying in this time, I want you to fear me so you will not sin. My last point is this. And it's just you guys singing, okay. Not that just you guys singing this, okay. I'm just saying. That wasn't a dig. It was kind of a, an observation. You have sat and you have engaged with me and the Holy Spirit for these last few moments. I want you to lock and load now in my last point. You didn't come all the way with asking how shall we live. You didn't come all the way land that I love. You didn't come with winter walked away wounded. You didn't come with we have a difference of opinion. You came for this last one. The true church is crying on your saying. My last point is this. Heal this land. Heal this land, God. And so here's the scripture. 
we need the good grace of God to minister to us. And so here it is. The question that's being asked of the world is this. Trust me, this is what they're asking. Because some of you in this building are asking the same question. Some of you watching online, you're asking these three questions. Where can we find hope? Who can help me? And how can we get healed? Those are three questions that we're asking. Is where can we find hope? Who can help me? And how can we get healed? If you filter through every political statement, that's the three questions that they're trying to answer in all that they're doing. The government is saying, we are a broken system doing the best we can to punish evil and to praise God. But because we're not redeemed, the system is not redeemed. Don't miss this. Because the system is not redeemed. The system is not redeemed. God is asking for the spirit of people, come on, who are redeemed. To enter into and engage in that system and restore our nation back to wholeness again. So you better be absolutely passionate about this election, but not for the reason the worst of the world is. We engage because the question is being asked to us heal this land, our marriages. Our families need to be healed. Our economy needs to be healed. We need to be healed. And so he begins and he says this now. Jesus is our vote of confidence. And as you drive and see all the signs. I love the ones that says Jesus 2020. I know it's corny. I know it's like whatever. But I love it. If they're living it. So we declare Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. And what we declare, TGP, I don't know about the other churches. I'm responsible for this house and those who connect with us online. As for me and God's house that he's put me as steward over as pastor, we will always say, Jesus is our vote of confidence. It is finished. 1 Peter 2, verse 24 and verse 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We do that, we'll get the vote right every single time. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Listen, while we're trying to save this nation and why we are trying to defend this nation because of its soil. God is saying, church, it's about the soul of the nation coming back to Jesus in 2020. So yes, I am absolutely serious. 
that I want to see God move at the polls. I want to see revival. I want to see the news reported. My God, there's revival spreading across this nation because the church is saying, God, heal this land.